Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here I am, huh? The Avenger. The killer of killers. Nice outfit. I'm not sure about the face, though. I just want him. <laughs> well, you can have him. Well. I see you have made your decision. Now let's see you enforce it. Oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we're exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today, we are looking at the film adaptation of The Crow by Alex Poyas. But before we seek revenge and take on the entire mob, I am joined by a returning guest. Please welcome back the host of WSTR, Galactic Public Access, and the 501st Legionnaire, Todd Hoffman. Welcome back. Thank you, Armand. A Legionnaire. (laughs) Yes. French now. (laughs) Yeah, you're a loyal soldier of the French Galactic Empire. Empire, yes. Oui, oui. (laughs) Yeah. We are watching... A male-driven thriller from the 90s, 1994. Yes. Were you so, even born in 94? I was born. I was born in 91. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I was three when three. this movie okay, came Okay. Okay. Just, I want to get some context, you know. And you were, what, 20? <laughs> I was like 19. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Nice. Before we jump into today's discussion, since this was your recommendation, Todd. Yes. How did you first hear about The Crow? Well, I knew... It was a comic and I knew of Brandon Lee and obviously I saw it pretty much opening weekend. And I think one of the things that is missing in today's cinema is the soundtrack. So the soundtracks Mm -hmm. for the movies, like when you hear a single or something like that on the old radio back in the day, <laughs> um, you're like, whoa, we're, this is a new song. And so a lot of bands were doing new songs or, you know, covers for right. these movie soundtracks. And a lot of times you would get like a 10 second, 15 second clip in the movie. And, you know, but then obviously the full song is playing on the radio and stuff like that. So the soundtrack for The Crow is fantastic and so i think that's what really drove me going to see this movie more than anything that's kind of how i got introduced to the crow through its music yes the music that resonates you with the most is when you are 16 to 20 when you're like first driving 
like I said, I was 19 and this was it for me, man. It's got the cure. It's got nine inch nails. It's got Rollins band helmet Pantera. I mean, it's like all this kind of alternative music that I was really Mm -hmm. into back then. And some of them I'm still, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of for me, Believe it or not, throughout my entire life, I've always heard of The Crow, but I've never watched it before until now, wow. until your recommendation. Yes. And the one thing that stood out to me when watching this movie was the soundtrack, because going into it, I didn't know all of these big alternative bands were you know, doing music for the, for the movie. So yes. as I was watching it, I hear a song and I'm like, wow, that sounds a lot like The Cure. (laughs) And then Robert Smith starts singing. I'm like, oh, it is The Cure. (laughs) The soundtrack is amazing. And like you said, like, it's a really, really solid, like, 90s alternative industrial music. And I absolutely love it. Yes. Yeah. And it's also kind of like the origin of Hot Topic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah kind of kind of you, you watch you watch this movie i'm like oh yeah that was really that was really hot and hot topic <laughs> yeah so yeah like for sure i could see like the ceo or the future ceo yeah. of hot topic looking at the crow and they're like, like how can we monetize yes it's right. yeah. <laughs> it is a hundred percent true, man. Like Hot Topic, <laughs> like the origin story of Hot Topic. I'm not really sure when Hot Topic came around, but I I was watching this movie and like this is like Hot Topic, a hundred twenty percent. Yeah, safe to say that this 1994 movie predates the American store chain Hot Topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we go any further into the crow yeah todd you know what time it is it's time for some elevator pitches please stand clear of the closing so for those i don't know when you're selling a movie on a friend you really only have 60 seconds to do so so today on syndicate i'm going to simulate that today by having you todd summarize the entire plot of the crow while avoiding major spoilers within 60 seconds todd are you ready i'm ready we're going to start in three, two, one. All right. Eric Draven is a rock and roll uh, musician, and his fiance are about to get married on Halloween. And unfortunately, he dies. And so does his fiance. But there's a twist. Uh, he has come back for revenge as a crow opens up his grave and he is seeking vengeance on the people that killed him as well as his fiance. And it is a tale of vengeance, but also has a little heart in it, which is a very interesting theme um, that not only is he trying to complete, uh, get back to his wife or his fiance, but also that he loves other people while he does it. Nice with ten seconds to spare. Ooh, that, I, talk, that I tried to may... talk slow too. There, right? <laughs> hard. <laughs> so that might be a syndicate world record, her <laughs> fastest. Yeah, elevator pitch. But yeah, yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you summarize the entire plot. So Eric Draven mm-hmm. is our main star. Um, Eric Draven plays quite appropriately a rock star yes in this movie he's a guitarist i believe yeah and it goes well with this star-studded soundtrack with all these you know big names and music Mm -hmm. for the time so the main star eric draven is played by brandon Brandon as you said earlier yes so given the time period because i was a little bit too young was brandon lee like a big name for the time no he wasn't in a lot of movies obviously he is the son of bruce lee so that namesake alone i think what's interesting about the 90s is it was very heavy action movie oriented (laughs) really (laughs) yes you know you have these big names, you know, we have Schwarzenegger, Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, 
you know, and so this movie in essence kind of falls into that realm. I think that's where this movie originally gets greenlit, you know, because it's like, oh, well, this is like, you know, we got the name of Lee, Bruce Lee, you know, Brandon Lee, Mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, and it's, you know, a smaller budget film, but it's also the first kind of, you know, using a comic book to use, you know, as a story driven thing. It wasn't very well known, like, well, now it's like, oh, yeah, comics all the time, but but this was one of those kind of first early comic book adaptions that worked, you know, it has a little bit of heart, which is missing in every other action movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're looking more at the violence and the action sequences mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where yeah. this one does that definitely has it, but there's a little bit different vibe going with the crow, which I really appreciate now, even looking back at it. I did notice that too, because for the time, you know, I've seen you know plenty of 90s and 80s <laughs> right, action movies. Right, exactly, exactly. And it's all like uber masculine. Yes. Very macho. Like we're going to like super like yeah. flex in their muscles yeah. or muscles popping out. Right, right. They can like bend their M16s. <laughs> yeah. right. And then with The Crow, with Brandon Lee, he's a very slim guy. Like he's muscular, obviously, but he's not like jacked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He looks the part, you know, as he progresses as the crow. We could see some of his uh, martial arts skills and fighting skills, you know, be displayed. Oh, yeah. Like you can totally tell he's doing his own stunts. Yes. Yes. He's definitely making his father proud. So. With his stature, it's funny because since we're talking about the music, like this movie is like if Robert Smith of The Cure became a vigilante (laughs) and became like a Batman type character. Yes. Yeah. He has like the makeup on, which looks like almost like a clown or very exaggerated. Yes. Like not not very masculine. Right. Like kind of kind of feminine. So. Getting into the background of this film. Right. So you are familiar that it was based on a comic. Did you read the comic? No, I never read the comic. Because it was like actually like an indie comic. It wasn't published by Marvel or DC mm. or even Image at that time. So it was an indie comic. So I think that's where also that makes it very attractive for a green- greenlit. Because it's like not well known, easy to buy, you know, the rights, you know, because sometimes it happens, right? You know, you know this. I mean, like, you know, sometimes somebody buys the rights for this and it sits on the shelf for a while and then Mm -hmm. somebody just picks it up and like, yeah, I'll make this for, you know, I believe it came out in like 80, like early 90s. I think that's when it came out. So I think it was like 1991 or 1992. Yes. And the comic creator, James O'Barr, he has a very interesting story when he was making The Crow. He, you know, was a a young comic book artist and he was developing this character for the crow after the love of his life passes away. Hmm. Yeah. So in his, you know, deep depression, he created this character of the crow and then being engrossed with, you know, the music of Nine Inch Nails and The Cure and Joy Division. Yes. He created this character that was, you know, this rock star, fallen rock star that becomes this uh, vengeful entity. I thought it was very interesting that the comic book creator kind of has a similar story to the character he ends up making. And exactly. There's a lot of this is dealing with grief again, like with WandaVision. There was another, you know, dealing with grief. It's a big thing. And so, like, if this is a kind of a cool thing where. He's using that outlet to create the story and the story is centered around grief and trying to connect with somebody that you lost. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is, so you're talking about the rights for the movie. So he definitely sold the rights right away after creating this because people wanted that fresh, you know, superhero, the superhero buzz was definitely happening because of Batman, Batman, 1989, kind of like, like, oh man, like superhero movies can be like dark. So they found um, the crow. Yep. And what's interesting is 
the first iteration of the movie adaptation for it was very different from what we ended up getting. I'm not sure if you know about this, but originally they wanted it to be a musical. I did not know this. They originally wanted The Crow to be a musical, and they wanted the person to play The Crow to be Michael Jackson. It's like Moonwalker. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of could see that Mm because, again, the way he's drawn, he's not like your, like we said, not your typical action movie star. So I could see that, you know, a little bit, but kind of glad we got Brandon Lee. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I could totally see early 90s Michael Jackson being in that role, but I don't think he has the presence that Brendan Lee ended up giving because like Michael Jackson is no. a fighter. No. Like, it's like, yeah, he's a talented musician. He, you know, he can right. dance really well, but he can't right. fight his way out of a paper bag. No way. Uh, it would be like beat it. <laughs> I, I mean, just the way Matt, Michael Jackson is the believability that he's fighting for somebody that he lost, like a love interest doesn't seem believable. Mm-hmm. No, no way. And I think Brandon Lee was a pitch-perfect casting choice. This is like one of those weird things where I I would say very decent cinematography, a great actor, a great soundtrack, and a decent enough story where it's just kind of all gels and it works. And it's a little quirky. And that's what I like about this movie. You know, (laughs) it's just enough little quirky to, to make it happen. Yeah. And a thing I wanted to bring up before we get into, like, you know, the themes and the plot of the movie. So Brandon Lee, as he was filming this, there was a tragic accident that happened on stage. And he ended up dying a little bit before the production wrapped. Right. That's how I know The Crow is because... Brandon Lee did die while filming and it kind of elevated it similar to Heath Ledger with The Dark Knight. Right on my mouth because I was like, this is literally Heath Ledger uh, all over again in the sense that Brandon Lee, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it was the perfect choice and was amazing in this film. It was like he played the role perfectly and we'll get into some of those kind of like cool little moments in the film. And similar to Heath Ledger, where Heath Ledger obviously was a little bit more well-known and had a pretty good movie history on his belt, but obviously his portrayal of the Joker is fantastic. It's just like actor role meet together and you have this kind of just like, I can't, I can't see anybody else in it. And that's the same thing with you get with Brandon Lee, where it has almost like this darkness over this, you know, that is... Right. Equally sad. I believe they used his brother. There's a couple of shots where they had to use a stunt double to finish off some of the stuff, and they did some rudimentary computer graphics back then to finish it up because they weren't done filming. And in fact, it almost didn't go mm-hmm. because of just what was going on with that death and everything was going around it. So, right. Let's get into it a little bit more because as I was watching it, like I was so engrossed in what you know what was going on with the story that i forgot that he died during this production it was only because there's a few scenes where i guess this was after he died they obstruct his face right and that's not that's not the case with any other scene that he's in like you can see his face you could tell it's him but in like key shots either it's from behind his head or there's one shot which took me out of the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, Brandon Lee died. Is that his face is completely blacked out? Yeah, because they, you know, they're trying to complete this movie. It's hard to mm-hmm. finish something when somebody dies on set. That is like a big deal, you know. Um, you right. know, and uh, <laughs> they, it was on a very tight budget, and the stunt coordinator or the props guy is supposed to be blanks, obviously, and they didn't have enough blanks, and they you can make a crude blank with live ammunition and that's what they did. And unfortunately he got shot in the stomach and you see the scene in the movie and he did not come out of the surgery. And And it's, he dies almost the same age as his father before him. Really? You know, and then 
people say, well, that his father's cursed. He was cursed. You know, it's like all this stuff. Right. It, it adds a little sadness to it, but it's also kind of like that time capsule piece that you can return to and be like, this was something special that you got to watch. It's just unfortunate because same thing with Heath Ledger, like this movie, it would have elevated their entire yes. career, you know, with these great performances. And unfortunately, you know, they died way before their prime. Brandon Lee reminds me uh, a lot like Paul Walker as well. Just something I, I think he, he had the versatility that he could do both as a romantic lead and probably an action lead, which, like I said, in the 90s, it was all you're either one or the other and you couldn't do both. And I think this film kind of showed that he had both those qualities that, you know, we see a little bit more, obviously, in today's cinema. But back then it was like either, you know, the muscles from Brussels there or, you know, <laughs> you know, you're like a Tom Hanks or, you know, like you're somebody that's just. Yeah, you know, doesn't or not in these kind of action movies, right? So I have a question for you. Given that Brandon Lee died, you know, so young, kind of similar to yeah. Heath Ledger, Paul Walker, even James That's Dean true. in the fifties, yeah. do you think if Brandon Lee mm-hmm. were to survive, do you think his career would be still propelled forward, or would he have to work a bit more? Like, do you think his death kind of elevated his entire performance i i think he would have been propelled forward because again this is like a small indie kind of movie in a sense and it it did very well um and obviously i think a part of that is because they knew that you know he died but i think if you take that out of that and you just watch the film i think it's like there was enough water cooler talk if you will to say you gotta go see this film fair enough so speaking of water cooler talk, yeah, <laughs> let's get into our main discussion, which is The Crow. So the movie opens in kind of, I don't know if it's the future or the past or yeah. the present. So, and I don't even know what yeah. city this is right. supposed to take place in. But like when I watched this again for the first time, that opening scene, is, I was like, woof, like a model from... Like Godzilla from the fifties, like oh. <laughs> Other than that, I felt like this movie actually aged pretty well. Like it, it held up. Right. But like, I don't know. Something about that first shot. I was like, I think that's a model. I don't know. It just looks really cheesy. <laughs> it took it that that took me out yeah. just for a second because I haven't yeah. watched it in quite some time. You know, so I was like, ooh, that that aged <laughs> a little bit, but. I would say other than that, it, it really it, did. It like it, I, I got I got back into it, but I was like right away. I was like, oof, that was a little bad, you know? Yeah, I, I watched that opening shot with, I guess, the model city. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was like, Todd, what the hell did you just recommend? <laughs> <laughs> the fake CGI yeah. fire, too. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. After that, though. <laughs> It gets better. (laughs) So anyways, so the entire premise of this prologue sequence is that Eric Draven, our main character played by Brandon Lee, him and his fiance, Shelly. Yes. They are celebrating together the day before Halloween, which is called Devil's Night. Yes. They're celebrating, I believe it's after a concert that he performed with his band, and they meet an untimely demise. So what exactly happened to them? There is really a crime boss, mob boss, whatever you want, and he's got his gang, and they got great names. We got (laughs) T-Bird. Who, who drives a nice yeah. car? You know, it might be a T Bird. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not a car guy. <laughs> I got Fun Boy. The other guy was like Skank or something. And, and, uh, Tintin. Fire it up. Yeah. Fire it up. There's four of them. And essentially, the premise here is that the, they're getting evicted from this kind of dilapidated building apartment. And they come in and she's there by herself. And they, basically rape her, cut her, do awful things to her. 
and then Eric walks mm-hmm. in and we get to see more of the sequence later. It kind of it's bit it's not full at the beginning, but essentially they push him out the window and he lands on the ground. Cops show up and all this kind of stuff. But we're narrated by this girl, Sherry, who's like a street girl. And she kind of is telling the premise of the movie where a crow kind of takes you to the beyond, you know, your soul and stuff like that. But sometimes you kind of get stuck and the crow brings you back to avenge in a sense. That's the premise of that. But now we see the girl, the street girl come up and like there's a cop there that is trying to shield her from what's going on. But she sees Shelly kind of put it in, you know, the ambulance and, you know, the cop's like, she's going to be fine. And right. she sees Eric on the ground and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's it's not a pretty scene. This is not a this is not a nice town you want to move into, basically. No, not at all. So that kind of sets it up. And then you kind of find out that it basically says, I think, one year later, right after that. Right. So after Eric Draven and his fiance gets assaulted by this gang. Yeah, they die. And then the movie takes place a year later, which I thought was interesting, but it makes sense. You know, kind of like an anniversary type thing. And if we go with the theme of this crow can be kind of the gateway into the afterlife. And if you have unfinished business on earth, it can take you back so you can finish whatever or resolve whatever you need to get done. And with Eric Draven's situation is that these men are still alive. Doing the same stuff. Justice needs to be done. So Eric Draven comes back to life in the form of the spirit slash vigilante character, yeah. the crow, who's donned in all black, and he has white makeup on, which is similar to, which is very interesting, a mask that was in his condo. Right. So you see the crow kind of pecking on his gravestone and then you see a kind of perspective of him kind of coming out of the grave he finds some boots he finds you know and then he the crow basically takes him back to his condo where it all happened and he kind of has um basically he touches objects and could see an emotional imprint uh he has that and so he begins to piece together that like this happened and that she's not around because like His apartment has still the police tape over it a year later, but he basically starts touching things. And that's where he kind of gets these images of what happened. He's piecing stuff together. And like you said, on the vanity is like this kind of like ballroom mask. And that's where he basically paints himself Um, in a very cool shot where the crow lands on his shoulder and big old lightning. And that's when the cure song comes on. So. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> which i think is also appropriate yeah, yeah like i said earlier it's, it's as if robert smith yes. became a superhero yes. yes and eric draven is a guitarist so yeah. you know thematically like he's definitely this rock star coming back to avenge his fallen fiance and for me like especially the most impressionable scene for me when i was 19 was him kind of running on the rooftops with the crow kind of flying over. He can also see through the crow. They do a nice kind of cool camera trick um, with that. But then Nine Inch Nails is playing when he's running on the rooftop, and that that was my jam. It's still my jam, and I'm just like, (laughs) the best. But like when you watch that now, I get some Matrix vibe from that too because of like the rooftop. Mm. you know uh chase scenes in the matrix similar aesthetic yes and it's and it's very comic booky right the, a lot of things happen you know on rooftops and that kind of thing but it's like him kind of coming out of that he, he feels his power and that's when the crow spots the first victim right so yeah he sees tintin and tintin I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Is yes. a very interesting guy because his, his main thing is uh, the blades. The blades. But unlike Blade, uh, a <laughs> right. Marvel comic character. Yes, yes. This man meets untimely death because he was involved with this assault against Eric Draven's yeah. fiance. And the crow, who Eric Draven yes. becomes, spots him and demonstrates one, Brandon Lee's martial arts yep. skills yep. in that scene, and also shows the power of. The Crow in two different ways. Would you like to explain those two things? Well, first he does a cool, in wrestling, you call it like a swanton bomb. You see this from the Hardy Boys. He does this like, <laughs> kind of like cool little flip over the roof and he drops like, you know, three stories, four stories into trash. And he's like laughing because he understands like, yeah, he's not the normal Eric Draven. He's got a little more juice in him, you know? Um, and so, and then he says, I, I want to tell you a story. There's like this kind of limited dialogue that he uses and it's very comic booky. It works. It just works. It's just like he's delivering these lines and it's very short. There's not like not a lot of long monologues in this movie. It's just straight to the right. point. And Tintin, like he, like he says, an expert with knives and he is just trying to throw some knives at him. And then there's I think this is the third knife. Eric Draven just stops it with his hands, like claps on it. It's like. Yeah, he shows that he is skillful in yep. fighting and also he has really quick yes. reflexes because like I don't know about you, but it's not a normal human thing to catch <laughs> blades as they're being thrown at you. Yeah. So yes, it very is. Impressive. Yes. So he ends up killing this guy by killing him with the knives that he probably used kill. to yes. kill them he also uses his blood tintin's blood to paint a crow on the side of the building kind of leaving his mark and he uses those marks to mark his victim saying like you know this is what's coming for you kind of like the oncoming storm it's literally a death angel i, I mean you can go back to biblical times where it's like you have to mark the post or death will you know come for you and he's leaving his mark it's kind of like if you want to use like a gang kind of thing, that's his mark. And you're like, Ooh, some, some news on the street. News on the street. This crows. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's his first victim. And then that kind of rolls right into the pawn shop guy, which I love. Pawn shop guy is my, one of my favorites too. All right. So Eric Draven, who is now the crow. So he goes into this pawn shop. And what's interesting with this pawn shop guy is that the gang of evildoers, they steal the wedding ring off of Shelley Webster and then they pawn it. Quick flip, man. Quick flip. This dude definitely has no moral <laughs> backbone. Like he will do anything for yeah. a quick buck. And the crow pays a visit to this man. It, like Tintin just sold something to him and basically locking up shop and where Crow killed Tintin was like right, almost right behind the pawn chopper in an alley right next to it. And it's funny because he's taps on the door and then he quotes some Edgar Allan Poe, which is great. Right. You know, did you hear me tapping? You the know, Raven. yeah, I just love this interaction. He stabs the pawn chips like hand in the, he's not happy. That's one of the one scenes that sticks out to uh -huh. me the most. I'm just watching. I'm like the '90s goths probably love this yes. scene. Comes in, starts quoting Edgar Allan Poe. It's so, it is. It's it's funny because it's true. It's just yeah, it's just awesome. And then it's cool though because like he's basically asking where are the wedding rings, and the cool thing is the the pawn shop guy shoots him in his hand. 
Eric looks through his hand and starts laughing, you know, and it just heals and he's like, pawn shop guys like, oh, oh. <laughs> so essentially he, he, he finds the wedding rings. He flips them and he's kind of like not looking at them, but he touches the one and that's when he gets the memory. And I, I really like all the flashback scenes. I don't like, I, I like how they did the filter on them and it just, it's little, it's very softer than what the, what we're seeing from the city kind of stuff. You know, it's a little got a little, yeah. I just like how the filter is. And so they show them interacting how he, you know, proposed and, all those kind of stuff. There's just these, right. that's that soft stuff that really I think is engaging in this film. And, you know, you kind of see this tenderness mm -hmm. of the couple and he grabs all the rings um, from the box and puts them in a shotgun. So with the wedding rings, like when he was, you know, in his place, his previous residence, he was touching all the items and, you know, was bringing back memories. And then when he touched the wedding ring, you know, it brought back all those fond memories. And I think for his character, it separates him from like, say like any other vigilante or I was thinking of like yeah. Punisher yes, as I was yeah. watching this, you know, yes. similar story yeah. with Frank Castle. And as you said, it adds heart to this story because like you understand yes. what was lost. Like this was a guy that essentially had it all. And then it was just yeah. taken from him by, this random group of thugs and now he's you know seeking his revenge and it's strategic too it's not like he's like with the punisher he's killing anybody that gets in his way it's like i'm just strategically going after the people that affected this whole scenario so after he acquires his yeah. wedding ring he also takes the rest of them and he puts it in a shotgun as you said and as he's leaving, classic one-liner here. Is that gasoline I smell? <laughs> that's right. Because like, even with the crow having the upper hand, the pawn shop dude is still antagonizing him. And yeah, he douses the place in gasoline and he points the shotgun yeah. at the pawn shop, pulls the trigger and the whole place explodes. It's big explosion. You get a cool shot of the wedding rings coming out of the shotgun. A, mm -hmm. a very big explosion, which we loved in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 fired it up, fired <laughs> it up. And almost immediately, he meets the cop. So this is like the beat cop that was there. And they have a very kind of cool interaction. And he mm -hmm. acts like a clown. Like a like a street performer, which I right. you know, like he switches in between these kind of he almost becomes that character, you know, in a sense, and he they have this kind of like kind of cool interaction, you know. Yeah, so the cop is played by Ernie Hudson, who famously played a Ghostbuster. Absolutely. What's interesting is that he develops such a interesting bond with Eric Draven because mm -hmm. he was there the night that you know he was killed yeah and he remembers eric draven mm -hmm. and he remembers what happened so when he sees eric again as the crow he kind of doesn't believe it you know well, yeah because he's dead <laughs> dead man can't come back <laughs> <laughs> okay t-bird <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i thought that was Interesting because, like, you know, he's trying to investigate what's going on. Yeah. And from his perspective, you know, all these people are being murdered. You know, it ends up being, you know, thugs that are being killed, but it's people getting killed. So he has to investigate regardless. Yeah. yeah. And so this scene, he encounters the crow. And as you said, he was, you know, acting a little strange, mm -hmm. acting not as a angel of death, but more of a. Cirque du Soleil performer, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Then we finally get the meat because then Gideon, he goes to the big boss man. The big boss man yeah. kind of, I mean, he reminds me of like a vampire. Yes, guy. yes, <laughs> yes. Cool voice, ridiculously long hair. He's got a thing for his sister. And yes. <laughs> they killed a girl doing whatever, but she she gone. And the sister's like, 
she's got beautiful eyes and and literally cuts out her eyes. We don't see that, but it's implied. Right. Yeah, so there there's a little weird vibe with them. <laughs> yes, very Lannister. Yes, indeed. yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so that establishes that yes. these villains in this movie are not playing around. No. Like no. They, they don't take any prisoners and they pluck people's eyes out yeah. and they use them as a, you know, antagonistic tactic because so Gideon the pawn shop owner goes to, you know, the main boss and tells them what happened like, "Hey, like the pawn shop that I run that yes. benefits you, you exploded." Yes. And it's because of this crazy crow guy. Yeah. And the boss man doesn't necessarily believe him at first. Uh-uh. He's like, are you telling me the truth? Like, I'm supposed to believe that this crow <laughs> man, like, destroyed yeah. everything? Yeah. So, yeah, he throws the eyeball at him, and he's like, tell me the truth. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, apparently, right. apparently that is the truth. Yeah, yeah. But then we, we find out, too, the girl, Sarah... Her mom, who is hanging out with this crew as well, she's not in a good crowd. She she likes her as some fun boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, in the beginning. Sarah says that Shelley and Eric kind of take care of her, so you think yeah. that she's just a street kid, but then you find out that her mom is still around, but essentially is kind of like a waitress at a dive bar in a dive place. Mm-hmm. And is hanging out with Fun Boy, you know, and then <laughs> I love these names. The names are the best. Um, yeah. And so essentially she's looking for her mom and the bartender's like, well, technically she's off work. I can't do anything, you know, serves a root beer, which is great. Good, good show. But then her mom and Fun Boy kind of go up to do some hanky panky stuff and do heroin. Yeah. And that's when Eric shows up. And fun boy uh, obviously has, he's loaded. He's got guns and he shoots Eric. He, you know, we see him get shot and in the chest and he heals Mm -hmm. right away. Basically fun boy like shoots himself in the leg. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, look at what you did to my sheets. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the one thing that he cared. He didn't care about that. No. Um, that, Sarah's mom could get hurt no. or killed or, no. you know, his livelihood. All he cared about was those sheets staining his high thread count uh, <laughs> bed sheets. <laughs> so he throws fun boy in the, in the, um, in the bathtub to kind of wake him up. Cause he's passing out because he's losing a lot of blood, but the mom mm-hmm. ran to the, the bathroom as well. He basically, he makes it very simple. He cut, it's like, look, mom, you're, you're a mom. And you have a daughter mm-hmm. and he squeezes out the heroin out of her arm, you know, yeah. and, and just basically it's like a scared straight moment. And just like mm-hmm. you have a daughter. It was like very simple, like your mom, yeah. you have a daughter. Where's your daughter at at this time right. of night? You know, it's like he spares her. He sees the needle from fun boy and is like, oh, I got an idea. So he does heroin needles all through Fun Boy in the crow shape. Oof, that's that's one way to kill the guy. Yeah, what's interesting about the mom is that she's not there for her kid at all. No. She's yeah. being foolish. And Eric Draven tells her, like, in the eyes of your kid, the mother is equivalent to God. Mm. And implying, like, are you like that for your kid? Yeah. And obviously you're not, like, you need to step it up. Yeah, you have no idea where your daughter's at, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I feel like some people need to get woke like that, too. Like, dude, you are an adult. You need to be doing, (laughs) (laughs) you don't have these other responsibilities and don't try to escape from them. From then on. Like, she actively tries to be a mom. Yes. And then straight out of this, he saves Sarah. Sarah almost, Sarah's like a skateboarder, punk girl kind of type thing. She skates out and almost gets hit by a car. 
Oh yeah. By the way, it's always raining here. That's what I was saying. Yes. It's raining all the time. And he, he, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, he says like something from his album um, and he's like, you know, I could have got there or something and it can't rain all the time. And when she realizes it could be Eric, he turns, you know, she turns around and he's gone. He vanishes he's like Batman. He vanishes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, so she goes in and to her house and finds the vinyl and starts playing. And it's like, yeah, that was Eric's lyrics. He's using his lyrics to kind of communicate to Sarah as well. Music is a very big aspect to this yes. movie. And I was, I yeah. was surprised to see how much it's interwoven. And typically, you know, we talked about this before, like, the soundtrack is front and center. Yeah. Both in the movie, in the actual universe, and then, you know, us watching it with yes. you know, the songs that are being used. Yeah. And you don't really see that a lot with a lot of movies or with a lot of action movies. Yeah. You know, the other thing is weird about this, too, that's different than our typical Marvel movies now. This movie breathes a lot, which I like. Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of action in this movie, but there it's like spaced out. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. It, it's like not your typical superhero movie where it, it there. I mean, obviously not every superhero movie is like bam, pow, wow type things. <laughs> but I mean, this one, I feel like really breathes and takes some time, which is also interesting. You know, then he goes to the cop's place. Right. And he wants to know more about the night. And it's interesting. He basically puts his hands on his head yeah. and he grabs the memories. And Eric is impressed that he, the cop stayed there the whole night. Right. She was fighting for her life and he stayed there. Again, that shows his kind of who this cop is. We find out like the cop is almost divorced or is getting or separated. And yeah. Eric like is giving him marriage advice, which is like, <laughs> I'm like what, what's going on here? You know, just talking about little things in life, you know, and, pre you know, those precious things. And those are the things that make the most impact. And you're just like, dude, this is deep, man. You know? <laughs> like, get, right. get, get in, get in spiritual advice from, or like marriage advice from a deaf angel. No big deal. You know? So. Yeah. I like how you put it too. Like he is, a death angel, even though he, he brings death, he's still an angel. So he's benevolent to those that are, you know, doing good instead of, you know, wrong. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's kind to Sarah. He's always had a heart for Sarah. He's kind mm -hmm. to the cop because he now he knows that he did everything he could to help Shelly out, which is, right. which is key. And then this is where there's a black guy that is like the, muscle for the crime boss or whatever he runs up and finds fun boy needled up and he sees eric leave actually the building and then he goes investigates the grave and the grave is empty so he's kind mm -hmm. of piecing together what gideon said earlier which they killed off but he's piecing together like oh gideon was telling the truth you know um and so he brings that information back to the crime lord but he basically understands that He's coming for him, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And this is where they're having a big meeting because, again, now mm -hmm. it is the night before Halloween and it's Devil's Night and they're about mm -hmm. to light the city up. The sister says, I like the pretty lights and everybody laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> so there's this meeting going on yes. um, with a whole bunch of, I guess, uh, lieutenants and Thugs. commanders and yeah, this, yeah. this thug army. Yeah. And the main bad guy is there and just like the scene in the dark night eric draven shows up that's right and he makes it very known that he's gonna take them all down and of course how did they all react they take out their guns <laughs> every single one of them everybody was wearing earplugs at the same time too to keep their <laughs> ears safe. <laughs> so yeah they light up eric draven yeah. and of course just like in the earlier parts of the movie, yes. he is bulletproof, bulletproof or he regenerates. Yes. And he has guns of his own. Yep. And he fires back and he kills them all. This is a great, this is a great scene. I mean, again, the music kicks in. 
It's very strobe lighty. And there, there's also a cool kind of part too, where he, he did this in the pawn shop as well. He like jumps and goes right into like a Indian style stance when he mm. sits on the table and yeah. he just commands like a presence and the, the crime boss is not having any of his theatrics. He's like, just shoot him, you know? <laughs> so that leads us into the final movements of this film, yes. which is he finally confronts the mob boss. And throughout this entire film, there's gunfights galore. Like yes. It's all gunfights. Yes, yes. But this was different because it was a sword fight. Yes. Well, also, the sister, weird sister, figures out the crow is the link. Like, there, he's, she yeah. understands the spiritual perspective of it, which is interesting. Yeah. She's like, the crow is the link. Uh, you kill the crow, you destroy the man, is like the, yeah. the, the line there. And there's a really cool part right before this fight is that the kids are out for Halloween and Eric is coming back from the gunfight. And it's just mm-hmm. a small scene. And he just he's laughing. He's like, they're just having fun. and He's having fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just a cool little moment for that. Um, you could tell that the filmmakers wanted to use every single footage of Brandon Lee. Yeah. Like, oh, we have to put this in. We cannot edit this out yeah he, he just has like a natural smile you know like mm-hmm. this is yeah this is awesome they're they're masquerading so am i i just killed a bunch of guys but that's okay it's cool <laughs> you know? but again it's like it's that it, it kind of goes back and forth where he's this really vicious guy but then he's still this eric bef- prior to that you know so they go to a church which you should you know they're by the graveyard of where he is from or where he came out of and yeah, they have like a sword fight, but the uh, the number one guy, the, the black guy, he basically has this ridiculously huge sniper gun, a little <laughs> overkill, but he tries to shoot the, the and he wounds the wounds, the crow. And so it kind of makes Eric mortal like he loses. He's losing his powers in a sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And just a side note on that, originally, if Brandon Lee weren't have died yeah. during production, they were going to have this entire other plot line to explain away why he was losing his powers. And that was because this character like, kind of looked like the Bone King, like commanded him to like, okay, like you fulfilled your duty, oh, come back into back. the afterlife. Yeah. And he was refusing because he, you know, he kept on wanting to kill everyone involved, not just those that were involved in the fight, because he was going after the mob boss. Right. So this wouldn't happen ever again. Right. Since he was pursuing that. He was losing his powers. Right. Yeah. But since, you know, he died before they can film those scenes, they had to, you know, retool it to where the second in command guy has this 50 caliber sniper rifle. Yeah. It's like, ridiculously huge sniper rifle (laughs) for making a shot that's like a hundred feet i mean (laughs) he's not like three miles away bro he's in the building right Uh, but yeah they have like this kind of like beauty and the beast kind of fight on the on the cathedral and he's losing looks like gaston yes Uh, intentional, not intentional. I don't know. But I mean, it's like mm-hmm. kind of that gothic cathedral type thing. But it's rain again, yeah. raining. It's always raining. That's the other thing. Sarah is captured by these two goons and she's kind of tied up. I, I didn't know what they were going to do with her, but they weren't. It wasn't going to be pleasant. And so that's right. where a cop comes in, helps save her and all that kind of stuff. And that leads to this kind of rooftop thing in Eric's desperation because he is losing his power, he basically, you know, there's some some small, you know, boss fight language going back and forth, like, I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 you know, I'm the best, whatever. Um, but he basically... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gives him all the pain from what he got from the cop to, you know, the crime boss. And I, I thought that was a very cool way to kind of end this fight. Yeah. So the crow prevails. Crow prevails. And the mob boss is essentially thrown off the building and he gets impaled, double impaled mm. by the structure of the church. Yeah. And that's all she wrote. And... <laughs> all, <right>. all <laughs> she wrote. Yep. So the crow fulfills his duties on why he came back to Earth, and that is to eliminate this entire uh, organization. So yeah. these events don't happen in the future, right. and they don't happen to anybody else. Yep. And so the final, final beats of this movie are so beautiful, mm. and it makes this entire journey worth it. He returns back to the gravestone in which you know he came from, and he's looking down at the grave sites of his fiance. Yeah. And he's holding the engagement ring right. that he took from the pawn shop. Right. And he looks over and the spirits of his dearly beloved appears. Yes. And they have a moment together. Yes. And I feel that their souls are finally at rest. Yeah. They're like, they're linked together. Right. Yeah. And they're together finally. Yeah. I thought that was great. I was like, Oh, so touching. Yeah. And then Sarah, who kind of narrates every once in a while throughout the film, is like, never stop loving them. You know, love prevails. Love, you know, finds a way to prevail. And you, you never give up on people. Yeah. She says, buildings burn, people die, but real love is forever. Mic drop. And that's a great message. You know, like love doesn't stop even from the grave in a sense. Yeah. Like it's it's a positive message and it's a reminder that, you know, even though people that we love are gone, they're never, ever forgotten and their spirit lives on. Right. And that's the grief part. Right. So, you know, going back to the earlier, you know, like James Abar that wrote this is like dealing with grief, you know, mm -hmm. and that's definitely true. When you if you're the one left behind, um, you have to persevere through that. And that was also said in WandaVision, which is kind of like a, mm -hmm. a new line where, you know, what is what is grief but love persevering? That's true. Interesting way to describe grief. And we see this in this kind of different nuance um, with The Crow. That's why I like, I really like this film. Like I said, a breeze. There's a lot of action. There's still a lot of action for you, but there's definitely, you know, some heart to it. Right. I agree. So, Todd, to end the show, yes, we like to do one reason why. Hmm. What is the one reason you would give somebody to watch The Crow? Like I said, if you want to see the origins of Hot Topic, this is the movie for you. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would say I would just repeat, like, the soundtrack and the visuals of this film will lure you in and the story will hook you. Nicely put. And for me, 
with the crow. The reason I would recommend it to somebody is because it is a fresh take on what a vigilante movie could be because the biggest seduction is to have a, a run and gun type movie with, with no emotional message attached to it. Yes. And with this movie, there is emotional attachments with it. And you feel this theme of grief and overcoming despair in such a constructive way. And it's a very uplifting story because like, even though he is avenging, you know, his fallen wife to be, it doesn't get cynical with it. Like there's a positive message like, mm. Hey, yeah, people die, but love lives on forever. Mm. And right. I think that's a, a positive message to convey in a movie like this. Yeah. So I think it's, it's very well done. I would agree. But that's it for this time on syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about the crow by Alex Proyas. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guest, Todd, for coming on to the show. Thanks again for having me, Armand. It's been a pleasure. It always is. Like, you're welcome back anytime. But if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate, on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have any questions or film recommendations? Please email us at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Bye.